Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on. Welcome back, Bears fans. Another edition of Bears Nation podcast, almost at Chicago Sports Nation, brought to you by Chicago Sports Nation, though, so it still works out. Uh, we are missing half the team today. It is just myself and Kevin Lapka here to bring you a recap of the Sunday Night Chiefs game and a preview for the upcoming game against the Vikings to end the season. Um, you know, Christmas time, uh, busy time for everyone. And so we're trying to figure it out. We have the two of us, though. It's only one episode this week. We're still going to bring you this coverage. So we will welcome in Kevin Lapka with that. Kevin, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, it's a tough time to be a Bears fan. But nonetheless, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone. I uh, uh, hope everyone has a good holiday season. But we're here to talk Bears. And uh, not the lightest of moods here for Bears fans after that 26-3 loss. But we're going to get into it. We're going to try to answer a lot of the questions that you guys have about this game and really try to figure out what happened on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, we're going to try and get into it. So let's just do that right off the bat. Uh, Bears lose to the Chiefs, only scoring three points. It was a tough game to watch, and this was a game that you, I mean, even when we were previewing this game, we thought about how the Bears could possibly cover in this game. The spread was six, and, you know, it it just seemed like a game that, yeah, you're not playing for anything anymore, but, you know, this was still a team with some fight, and it was just bad. I mean, from the start, you knew things were not going to go the Bears' way. Yeah, look, I was at the game. Oops, sorry for that. Nice, something dropped <laughs> on my table. I was at the game, so I was there firsthand, you know, and it, the crazy thing was, you know, before the game, you know, if you saw the fans and you saw the energy in that stadium, you'd think this was a team that is at the top of the league. I mean, the fans were ready to go, you know, uh, everyone at the stadium, outside the stadium, everybody was ready to go, and the team comes out, and the the way that I see it is the team simply was not ready to go. And, you know, I made the claim on last week's podcast, and I was totally wrong. I said, look, the Chicago Bears aren't going to lay down and die for the Chiefs. They're going to still play uh, to the best of their abilities. And that really just was, just was not the case. Uh, they came out there, and they just, you know, they, they faltered really at every – uh, phase of the game, you know, uh, defensively they broke down here and there. Offensively, it's just absolutely treacherous. But um, you know, it, it was cool to see the fans actually get worked up for this game, right, and get excited about it and and think, okay, you know, we're we're playing for something. But apparently, you know, the players just weren't motivated enough. They just you know didn't see this game as as meaningful enough to them. At least that's just what showed me uh, on the field because you know they just didn't look very motivated, uh, mostly offensively. Uh, and I have a, a ton of questions about that, but. Uh, it's, it's just unfortunate to have your final game 
actually of the decade at Soldier Field and uh, in this kind of fashion, kind of similar to the way the season started, right? I mean, you scored three points at Soldier Field to begin the season. I guess the Green Bay Packers, then you kind of close uh, the home stand at Soldier Field with uh, another three-point performance. So, you know, it, it's certainly now affirmative that you there are a lot, a lot, a lot of things uh, to reevaluate in the offseason offensively. There's a lot that you're going to have to reevaluate. And now it's back again where people are questioning Nagy's job position, uh, his safety, his security. People are questioning pace. And they, the Sunday night crew did not was not shy about showing Virginia McCaskey and uh, uh, what's his face? George. Um, George. And George up there in their box. And George had the, the notepad out. And I think mm-hmm. that says a lot. Um, he had the big business binder out with the notepad and, you know, we can only speculate and guess as to what was on that notepad. But I, I think you have a pretty good sense. It's about the direction of the team and what happens next. And this was a game where Mitch Trubisky, we all of us said last week, myself, you, Josh and Chris, we all said, you know, this is a game where Mitch Trubisky should step up, show that the Bears didn't completely whiff on their selection of him. And, you know, to step up to Patrick Mahomes level, and he just did it. it. I mean, the whole offense did it. It's hard to pin it all on one guy, but Mitch didn't look good last night. No, I mean, he, he missed open guys, right? The one that'll stick out is that Allen Robinson uh, missed throw that really should have been touched on. I mean, watching that live, you know, you could see the whole play develop, and you're thinking, okay, this this is a surefire touchdown if he makes the throw, just overthrows him a bit. But again, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep talking about how really, I mean, wh- what did the offense do to help out Mitchell Trubisky? I mean, Javon Wims is out there dropping three passes. Uh, Allen Robinson dropped one pass, but, uh, you know, it, it happens. Um the offensive line, horrible job of protecting. Nobody's getting open. So you, you have to say, you know, what else do you want the guy to do? I mean, it, it's just so funny watching that and then seeing on the other side of the field, Patrick Mahomes, like, great. You know, Patrick Mahomes is awesome, right? He, he's an unbelievable passer. He's unbelievable. But, I mean, quite frankly, I'm pretty sure Mitchell Trubisky could have 250 yards and three touchdowns if his players were as wide open as Tyreek Hill, Ka- Travis Kelsey, and Sammy Watkins were uh, pretty much throughout that whole game. I mean, it, it was just incredible every time they threw the ball how wide open those guys were so to me you know that comes down to again you got fast players on the Chiefs but it comes down to the play calling and, and to me that was the biggest issue I mean you start the game off with two read options uh you know I mean I don't really understand that and there's a whole just a whole bunch of other questions but uh it, it's this whole thing throughout the year right you know Obviously, after Twitter, you look at the game, and it's like the blame is on either side, right? It's it's Matt Nagy uh, who's getting on the blame, or it's Mitch Trubisky getting on the blame. But really, what we've been saying on this podcast all year is it's really just a perfect synergy of both. Neither the quarterback or the play calling are helping each other. And this is why, you know, six weeks ago, we wanted to tear it all down. And then, you know, the progression, and they started scoring some points, and Mitch Trubisky looked good, and people were kind of, you know, silencing a little bit of the talk about uh, Matt Nagy as a play caller, silencing the talk about Mitch Trubisky as a quarterback in 2020. But after this type of performance, it absolutely has to be reevaluated. You absolutely have to start looking back into all of these other options because this is it's just unacceptable how frequently it has happened. Um, and, and for me personally, I mean, I want to know your thoughts, but for me, I still see it uh, as the play calling being more of an issue, but the, it's really just a synergy of both that is causing these terrible offensive performances. I think you're right. I think it's a combination of the play calling and just the lack of necessary talent uh, in your offensive personnel. I think, sure, the quarterback isn't, he's probably more average 
than above average. You know, I, I think Mitchell Trubisky is probably a guy who is right in the middle, probably the 15th or 16th quarterback in the league uh, that you would take. But I think that puts him right exactly in the middle. Um, I don't think there's a problem with that if you know how to work around it. I mean, look what happened when Nick Foles was with the Eagles and they won to the Super Bowl. I mean, look what happens when, I mean, even look at Tom Brady, who has started to become more average as the years have gone on. It depends on how you adapt. And we just haven't seen that ability from Matt Nagy to adapt. Uh, mm-hmm. The issues on the offensive line also persist. Like the There was no resistance there. Kansas City was doing whatever they wanted, getting into the backfield however they wanted, which then neutralizes your run game and neutralizes Mitchell Trubisky's ability to run. And we've seen that a lot of his success when you're the Bears and you're having offensive success, it's because you have a run game and it's because Mitch Trubisky can move. And none of neither of those were available last night. So that's something that has to be addressed. Uh, and again, Mitchell Trubisky is going to be on the Bears next year. He's not going anywhere. They're going to give him every opportunity to try and salvage this. But there's definitely going to be other guys in that quarterback room come spring. Yeah, and and really the question is, you know, a, a, another hot like heated debate on Twitter is like, okay, if you gave Matt Nagy, you know, different personnel and a different quarterback, he'd do better. Or it's okay, maybe if you gave Mitch Trubisky uh, a few more weapons and a different play caller, then that would be more successful. In my opinion, you know, that that's simply the case. I think Mitch Trubisky more than Matt Nagy needs more posts. I think Mitch Trubisky just needs a new play caller. He needs maybe he needs a tight end. I mean, we've been saying that for for too long. He maybe needs another skill wide receiver. And the thing is, I mean, you know, I don't. I was watching game live so i don't really remember this but i mean how many play action passes were there two three maybe i mean there could have been more than five am i right yeah i mean it no seemed more. like a, under a it seemed like under handful. five right a small handful i mean it's i mean come on man it's just it's it's very very frustrating i mean how many i mean we're sitting there at the stadium and everybody literally everybody's around a second down right Literally everybody in our uh, in our section was thinking, okay, yep, second round uh, halfback that Dave Montgomery. It, I mean, it happens. I'm pretty I'm, at this point. I'm pretty sure that happens seventy percent of the time. It's a halfback dive to Dave Montgomery on second down. I mean, it's just it just baffles me how you know you saw through this point of the season, you've seen what has worked and, and what has not worked, and it's really not that complicated. It, it really should be as simple as okay, this works, let's go with that. This doesn't work, let's not do that. And and the fact that again, you mentioned it adaption right uh it just it, it it just has not happened and that is the sign of a good coach the sign of a good team you know you know credit to the Chargers for being resilient uh to even get back to where they were right to even being playoff contention uh at some point late in the season but you just still have to you know grind out and realize that what hasn't been working is just not going to keep working if you keep hammering it in. And that's what Matt Nagy keeps trying to do. He keeps trying to turn Mitchell Trubisky into pocket passer. That's not what he is. And I'm quite frankly, I'm sure Mitchell Trubisky's thinking, you know, what What do you want me to do? I mean, you know my assets. Why are you not using them? And I'm sure it's very frustrating. I mean, he's even spoken out about it. And it's just, it, it, I think it's just very frustrating for all Bears fans, right? To not see what the branded synergy was. I mean, three years ago, we were, we were thinking great things about two years ago really Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky together as a duo and now it's just that after this performance it's back like okay this is a dis- there is a disconnect there in the one area where there cannot be one yeah there's clearly a disconnect between the quarterback and the head coach and that's the biggest thing that's going to be addressed and that's why we're getting these questions was well, it the coach was well, it the quarterback is it both do they both got to go do neither of them got to go so we'll see it's just 
and thankfully now it's not like you're in the playoffs and it's not like you have to figure it out on the fly. Now you can sit back after this last game, reassess and really think about what worked, what didn't. And I said this last week, but you have the time now to take a breath, take a step back and really reevaluate and take a close look at everything on this team. Um, and I don't think that there should be any, uh, stone left unturned as far as this evaluation process goes, because clearly there's a lot that needs to work. Um, one thing that still works, I think, even though the chiefs kind of ran all over them, I th- still think the defense is fine. Um, you know, we saw some Khalil Mack last night. We saw some Leonard Floyd. We saw signs of life from him. But, you know, Akeem Hicks was out again, which I'm per- perfectly fine with. You're officially out of the playoff race. No reason to uh, risk him injuring himself more or worse and yeah. risking his status for next year. Um, Dan Trevathan, obviously still out. Uh, and just Khalil Mack then gets triple teamed, things like that. Um, and then we'll see next year. So you get those guys back. You get Bilal Nichols back. Um, you get Roquan Smith back. He was obviously out still. So, I mean, three, four of your top 11 guys were out of this game. So, you know, the next step for the defense is working on contract extensions for Nick Kwiatkowski and HaHa Clinton Dix. But, I mean, the defense is fine in my eyes. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think once all these guys are healthy again, you're per- you're right back at the top. Yeah, I mean, as a Chicago Bears fan of the last, I mean, really their whole history, but of the last recent, the few more, last most recent years, you've come to expect dominant defensive performance every week. But like you just mentioned, people are forgetting the, the team is missing four starters. Defenses don't play top five when you are missing four starters. It just doesn't happen. It rarely happens. And the Bears had been doing it, and they really did an okay job against the Chiefs. I mean, considering the offense put up three points, they did a fine job against the the MVP of the league, against one of the top offenses in football. They only allowed 26 points. Uh, it should have been 23. They scored a late field goal. Um, and so, and again, when your offense scores three points, what do you want them to do? Again, missing four stars. I just said again like five times, but I'm saying that because I need to hammer this home because again, people are just kind of taking the defense for granted and they're like, oh, you know, what are you doing out there letting up 26 points to Kansas City Chiefs? Well, don't forget, four starters are missing. You know, the offense can't do anything. So that all goes into it. I'm not worried about the defense. If there's one thing that I want to say, I really just don't think Prince Mukamura is going to return in 2020. I mean, this guy, I don't know if it's the injury. I don't know if he's just too old now. He can't play to his potential anymore. But he has been an extreme liability. Uh, And I think it's time for Kevin Tolliver, maybe get a guy in the offseason or or somebody else to get uh, some more time there at that cornerback uh, outside, second outside cornerback position. Because to me, that is like, the one thing that's sticking out uh, more than anything on that defense is Prince and Mukamura's ability to to lock down wide receiver threats. Yeah, Prince has not been nearly at the level that he was at last year. Um, I don't know if it's because teams are going at him more uh, rather than Kyle Fuller, or uh, you know because of you know the loss of God. Why am I blanking on names? Who did we lose to Denver? Uh, Bryce um, Callahan. Bryce Callahan. Yeah, Jesus. Yep. Come on, Jake. Um, but I don't know if it's the loss of a, of a solid guy in the nickel. And granted, you know, Buster Screen has been awesome as the nickel corner this year. Um, and once when Amukamara has been out, he's been great outside as well. But I don't know what the issue is with Prince. But he also has dealt with some hamstring injuries, some lower body injuries. So that might be a part of it. But you can release him with minimal cap hit with a little negative backlash from the cap. Um, so I think the writing is on the wall for him. Give Tolliver a chance. See what corners or defensive backs fall to you in the draft. Uh, again, with those two second-round picks. But 
I agree with you there, but I think it's just one hole that you have to plug because screen's been great. Kyle yeah. Fuller's still been very good. And then you have Eddie Jackson and hopefully ha-ha Clint Dix to back it up on the back end as the last line of defense. So I think corner is still going to be something you address, but it's going to be the offense first and foremost that you address this offseason. Yeah, the defense obviously will not be the priority. I mean, they they have minimal, very minimal things to fix uh, as compared to the offense. And and look, I just want to say Khalil Mack, I want to say he, it was kind of a statement game for him. It was kind of like, a look, hey, I'm here. Look, don't forget about me. Because quite frankly, last week, you know, we, we had people talking, you know, I think even us at times were like, where is Khalil Mack? Like, what, why is he not getting pressures? Why is he not getting the quarterback? Why are the sack numbers so low? But, uh, you know, just watching that game, I mean, he, he was dominant again only one sack but he was he was dominant I mean he was getting a ton of pressures I don't know the exact numbers for that but he was getting after Patrick Mahomes and he wasn't able to put him down a few times but he was getting in there uh so so I love to see that kind of like a rebound game from Khalil Mack say you know I'm I'm still Khalil Mack um yeah I think I I feel like we saw him I me personally at least I feel like I saw him more than I had Mm -hmm. in the last few weeks for sure so that's a good to see signs of life from him you had something else and, and well, no, you know what I was thinking is like, I, I think we mentioned this in the episode. I, I don't see why the Bears wouldn't, you know, save a little money and maybe go out and get like a stronger outside linebacker, right? I mean, we, we the verdict is out on Leonard Floyd. The jury is out. I mean, we, we, we've said what we needed to say about Leonard Floyd, but I'm just I'm just dreaming right now of what the Bears could possibly do defensively with another strong outside linebacker who would need maybe double attention. I mean, would that not be something to consider is getting a, a really strong, maybe a little bit more extensive, but still reasonable guy at that second outside linebacker position? No, I think that's perfectly reasonable because you've seen what Khalil Mack and we know what Khalil Mack can do when all the attention isn't on him. So I think that's definitely going to be a priority that we were hoping that Leonard Floyd and Aaron Lynch could be those guys, but clearly they haven't. The loss of Keem Hicks, as we've said every week, has not helped, but I still think that there's a lot to like with what this defense is scheme wise. Um, you know, we'll have to see how franchise t- tags shake out and contract extensions shake out, but there should be some decent guys that you could get, especially if you revoke that fifth year option on Leonard Floyd and save that $17 million or however much it is. And you can maybe uh, dole that out, dish that out to an out, another outside linebacker, or maybe another corner, or maybe both. You know, some guys that are, you know, kind of in that middle tier, but still solid and see what you can do. Um, because we've seen what Khalil Mack can do when he's able to just work in the way that he can and isn't getting three, four, five, you know, guys on him and isn't getting all of the attention on him. Yeah. I, I like I, that idea a lot. I, yeah, because the other thing to remember, too, is Aaron Lynch has been non-existent. I mean, the guy has just been he, – he hasn't been very good at all let's just put it that way uh and we thought began going into this year okay you know Aaron Lynch was dealing with injuries last year maybe he'll come out this year do some nice things uh be productive when Khalil Mack is out there and I think this year more than last year Khalil Mack has been off the field uh uh in significant moments on third downs and for whatever for whatever reason really I mean that's just the way Chuck Pagano wants to draw it up I don't really question that but when you have your star player Khalil Mack out you need to have another guy that's applying any type of pressure and Aaron Lynch is just not doing that so I think the Bears definitely I mean here I'm looking at the free agents uh class here for outside linebackers I'll, I'll name some names out uh Dante Fowler Jr that's maybe a little bit too expensive um he, he's right now getting paid 12 million dollars this year uh we, we've got Mario Addison of Carolina Whitney Merciless who I mentioned last week I think is probably the top option he's only getting paid six million five hundred. yeah the Illinois guy 
when I made that little joke. He's only getting paid six million five hundred thousand dollars right now. Uh, AJ Klein from New Orleans, Terrell Suggs, Micah Kendricks, uh, Bruce Irvin, Shaquille Barrett, who's probably going to get big time money, and Lorenzo Alexander are all names that stick out. So I mean, if you want to talk about free agents, there are uh, availabilities out there. But you know, the, the thing that worries you about pricing about money is uh, I think really Ryan Pace has to make a splash in free agency offensively. I think he needs to go out and get Eric Ebron. He maybe needs to go out and get a tackle uh, who's available, and he needs to maybe. Maybe I think get one more skilled wide receiver, uh, plus that that veteran quarterback that we've been talking about. So there is a lot of money to go around, and a few of those holes will be filled through draft capital and through the draft. But I, I think getting an outside linebacker is within the salary cap um, possibilities, and uh, to me, a complete necessity. But offensively, you know, there's a lot of those those holes to fill as well. So you got to allocate your money the right way. Yeah, you have to be smart about your money. Obviously, I think. Ryan Pace has had some whiffs in free agency. Obviously, the Trey Burton contract was a huge whiff, a sunk oh, cost. Yeah. Um, you know, but then you have guys like Haha Clinton Dix and uh, Mukabar. I still think when we look at this contract, it was a good contract. Like yeah, the first yeah, two yeah. years were really good, and he earned that. Obviously, in this last year, that's why you have that kind of get out clause. Uh, you know that that wiggle room, so you can get out of there because we knew he was an aging corner, and we knew that he would probably decline. Um, you know, Buster Screen looks like a great addition. Um, so we'll see. The Bobby Massey contract, eh. The Charles Leno extension, eh. Um, but those looked good as of just a year ago. So I think there's still some, you know, some balancing. Maybe some of these guys aren't as good as they were last year, but I also don't think there is. Some of them aren't as bad as they've been this year. So there's some balance there to uh, to kind of figure out, and you have to decide. But you absolutely are right. You need a tight end. If you're looking at offense, you need some kind of offensive lineman, and you need absolutely a tight end. Those are the top options. Eric Ebron, I love that idea. I think the Colts, though, he's super valuable to them, and they're willing to pony up for him. Um, You'll see who else is out there. Again, franchise tags, things like that. See what happens. I don't think there's any tight ends in this draft class that are really uh, popping off the page. But, I mean, guys like Mark Andrews come out of the late rounds of the drafts. And, you know, guys come out like that. So that's always a possibility. And we know Pace has had some hits in the later rounds. Look at Javon Wimps. Seventh-round pick looks like a guy who could be your third legitimate, like you're not just filling a spot, like a legitimate third wide receiver next year. Um, And Riley Ridley, fourth-rounder, he looks like he can be a contributor. That's why I think I disagree with you a little bit on the receiver end of that argument. But uh, I see where you're coming from, though. I I see your, your logic there. But, I mean, there, there's some things that, again, it just goes back to you have to evaluate correctly this offseason. You can't afford to, to mess up these evaluations and how you look at these positions. Because, you know, your window is now. You can't have another season like this. you got to get back to that 10-11 win range and get back to the playoffs because this is your window. Yeah, it's now and it's next year. And, and I mean, you really got two years as, as far as a majority of the contracts being through 2022. Um, but obviously, you know, the focus is still on next year. And and I, the reason why I brought up the wide receiver thing is it probably basically uh, still some fresh opinions off of what I saw last night. I mean, Javon Wims, quite frankly, was just not very good last night at all. I mean, he had some, some, some horrible drops, uh, you know, somewhere it was just 
it was just mind-boggling, and everyone it was just how 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 did you drop that pass? So, and, and yeah, he's a younger player, uh, again, a seventh rounder. So I'm not as worried about it, but it just brings the question: is like, okay, you're not getting projection from Javon Wims in this game. Why do you not try out Riley Ridley? And it's really just been a mystery uh, for us. And maybe there's something underneath that we don't understand. Maybe uh, he, he's just not there development-wise, and you know that's a total possibility. Um, and to go back to the tight end thing, the re- the reason why I think Eric Ebron is such a possibility is because he was put on IR by the Colts when people thought he was possibly maybe healthy enough uh, to, to to you know finish the season. But just with the way they were the where they were at with um, their record, it didn't really look promising for them to make the playoffs. So that's probably one of those moves that they put him there. But again, the UNC connection between Eric Ebron and Mitchy Trubisky, it, it, it's a real thing. And I think, you know, the pairs, we, we know. I mean, how many times have we said we know what the offense can look like with a capable tight end? And Eric Ebron is more than capable of that, especially in the red zone where the Bears really faltered last night and have faltered uh, all, all season. So I think that's a possibility. But what Jake said that I want to hit on real quick before we change topics is, you know, just because a player played poorly this year doesn't mean that he is a bad player it does not mean that his career sucks it does not mean that he is not good sometimes it happens two years ago or maybe i think it was two years ago todd Gurley just went off the map and 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 he literally at the year literally a year after he had one of the best seasons of a running back in the past 10 years he went off the map and he disappeared. And this happens all the time to players. They have a sophomore slump. Something goes wrong. Maybe they're dealing with an injury. And they don't produce good seasons. Does that mean that player is bad? No. So I still want you guys to give some of these players a shot, even if they haven't played poorly. If, if they've been really bad and they've been consistently bad, sure. Uh, that's a different story. But for some guys who we know have a ton of potential, who we know are really good, have a bad season, it doesn't mean necessarily that they're on the decline. doesn't necessarily mean that they're truly a bad player. Sometimes players just have bad seasons, and it's really hard to see it that way. But sometimes that's just the case. Yeah, sometimes these things just happen. That's what it I'm happens, saying. Like, yeah. there, there's a balance that that happens. You get back, you know, things even out. But I think, again, evaluation. You just have to know who's who, what you can expect from them. Because, um, like, I think Cody Whitehair and James Daniels are perfectly fine players. I think they're good where they're at right now. Whitehair at center, Daniel at guard. I don't know why that switch happened mm-hmm. to start the season. After Again, I've said this before on the show. When you had a really good Pro Bowl unit as an offensive line last year, and then you try to get cute with it, um, even Leno. Like, I think Leno is, is good enough. And, yeah. you know, he's... He's fine for a guy that can be serviceable and do the job and do it correctly and doesn't kill you. And you're paying him that kind of money. Um, a lot of left tackles you're going to have to pay exorbitant amounts of money to. And there's no one you can really pay for that. And Leno does the job fine. I think he's fine. Um, Massey's getting older. I think you might need a replacement for him. Uh, I have a feeling that we're going to be looking at replacements for Kyle Long. I think retirement is on the horizon for him. Yes. Um, it, it certainly seems like an option there. But you just got to evaluate properly and, and look at who's available. Well, I mean, I would love Whitney Merciless on this team. I think he's been awesome. I think he'd be a perfect compliment. Um, you know, bringing a line eye back, I'm fine with that. But we'll see. <laughs> There's still a week left to play. You still have a game left to try and, you know, salvage a 500 season. So another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That being said, the Minnesota Vikings coming up in the last week of the season. Um, you know, I, I still, the Vikings are good. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The Vikings are good. Kirk Cousins has been good. Delvin Cook has been incredible. And, I mean, their offensive line has been awesome. Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, you know who they are already. Kyle Rudolph, same thing. And that defense has still uh, been a really, really stout unit and nothing to sneeze at. But that being said, the Bears just own the Vikings. They Mm -hmm. just do. The Bears own real estate and the Minnesota Vikings' brains. Um, You know, and and I think there's something to be said for trying to salvage and scrap for a 500 season. I think this team has that kind of edge to them. Now, again, you have injuries, and I have a feeling there's no reason to risk Allen Robinson in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even I I wouldn't really argue with resting Anthony Miller in this game, but I think his competitive edge will come out, and he'd really no, object to that. But there's a lot, and I, I think Mitch usually has good games against the Vikings. You know whether that's in Minnesota or at Soldier Field, mm-hmm. and this one will obviously be in Minnesota. But I, I still am confident in this game. Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not not confident. You know, I wouldn't say I'm overly confident, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not nervous. I'm not shaken about it. I mean, the Bears, you, you know, they just they have the Vikings number. I mean, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, they have, they really have it for no other team, but for whatever reason, you know, they, they can get inside of Kirk Cousins' head, and that team can simply just do nothing against the Chicago Bears. And, and we saw it again with Chase Daniel at quarterback back in Week Four uh, of this season when times were a little bit better. Man, what a time! Uh, what a time they to be alive there, Chase week Daniel four. Was that quarterback? <laughs> yeah, but maybe not. <laughs> but I mean, that being said, Dalvin Cook. Uh, I mean, we're, oh my I, god, I, he, he he's unbelievable. I mean, he, he's yeah. arguably a top three running back. I won't even say arguably. I mean, the way he's been playing this series, top three running back in the league. But he is injured, uh, and I, I I question whether he's going to play. Considering the Packers have clinched a playoff spot, I don't think he's playing tonight. As we record this, not. the Packers and invite. Okay, so it, I, assuming the Vikings lose that game, they'd be locked into that number. Five or I think locked into number six. I think they'd be locked in that number six spot uh, in the NFC, which in that case, you you know what? I didn't even think about this. Maybe they rest their starters uh, in week 17 because they, again, there's no reason for them. uh, If they're locked into number six and they have no ability to move up to to five, uh, and if they lose to the Packers on Monday Night Football, then really – they have no chance of winning the division, so maybe that happens. Uh, but honestly, as a Bears fan, I don't. Would you want that to happen? I'd rather have them have their stars out there and have the Bears play a meaningful game and try to beat a good team at the end of the season. I mean, that that's the way I would want it. Right, that'd be a moral victory, and I think a lot of uh, Bears. We need players, a moral victory in Chicago right, right now. <laughs> no, absolutely, and I think a lot of Bears players would argue the same thing, like that they want to be out there against the number one guys for the Vikings. They want to play their starters, um, yada yada yada, so on and so forth. But you're absolutely right. I think if you're looking at it from Minnesota's perspective, they're out there. You know, if they lose to the Packers tonight and the Packers lock up the division, there's no reason for Minnesota to risk Dalvin Cook, who has already had injury history. No reason to risk him. No reason to risk Kirk Cousins. No reason to risk Anthony Barr. Or, uh, uh, what's his Eric name? Or yeah, and their top corners. Yeah, I mean, their corners are unbelievable. Um, there's no reason to risk those guys. So I think that makes sense. But absolutely, you always want the top guys 
uh, of an opposing team. You always want the top guys to go against and get that victory. But that being said, this would be either either way. It's a good victory for the Bears because after the season you just had, it's better to go out on a win, save the 500 season, and regroup for next season, right? Yeah. I mean, think about it this way. Think about if the Bears season ended last night. Like, how would you feel? Like, you would, I mean, you already feel horrible, but the fact that if the season ended that way, 26-3 at home, horrible performance, I mean, you'd feel horrible. But if they come out against Minnesota and pull out a victory in Minnesota, you're feeling a hell of a lot better than if the season ended at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on Sunday night the way it did. I mean, you would feel a lot, a lot better. So uh, I, I guess it's simply just morale at this point. I mean, Jake hit, hit on that. But, you know, you can also go back and say, you know, we you beat a good team on the road late in the season. And I mean, that, that's always something good to look at. Um, but what I want to see more than anything, I mean, we've been saying this and for some reason they just don't do it is, you know, get some of these guys who are, you know, on the bubble, who are kind of questioning guys we don't really know about in the game, right? Alex Bars, uh, I don't, I don't think he's going to get in the game unless again, if the Vikings rest their starters, then maybe the bears will say and try to exercise and, and do some of those things, put Alex Bars and maybe give Riley Ridley more time, but figure out who you have in some of these guys, because why not, right? I mean, why not? You're obviously going to go out and try and win the game, but also you need to find some silver line. You need to find some diamonds in the rough for this team that really has no answers and really nothing's hitting on offense after that Chiefs game. Why not try to find something uh, that, that could work? Obviously, it's the answer is uh, not Jesper Horstead. Uh, the answer is not J.P. Holtz. Um, the answer is not at the offensive line. So give some of these guys a try. Give uh, the Bears fans and really the team some reason to think, okay, maybe this will improve going into 2020 based off of the play in Week 17. I mean, really, that, that's really all you're looking for. Yeah, this is a perfect opportunity, regardless, to see what you have in Riley Ridley. I think Alex Bars is a great name uh, to pull out. This is a guy who elected to stay with the Bears even after the Patriots tried to sign him, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be with his old college coach. So I think that's a great name to look at. Um, obviously, Riley Ridley and Javon Wims, who we t- talked about, um, and just see what you can make happen. And uh, it's still, it's always going to be about Mitch at the end of the day. See- if he can build a, just a little bit of a building block game. Um, but then even on the defense, see what Kevin Tolliver has. See what uh, yes. some of these guys on the defensive line have. See what some of these, you know, see if Leonard Floyd can show you anything. Uh, so it's still very important. I think Cleo Mack's got to sit out this game, right? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's I a think tough decision. It is a tough decision, but. You know, it's just it's just one of those things where if the rest of the team is playing and then Khalil Mack sits out, I mean, you know that that's not much of a that's very selfish kind of play. And unless it's a team decision, then I can't call Khalil Mack selfish if it's a team decision. But I just think in that type of scenario, I know I know he's a top three, top five player in the league. I know he's he's unbelievable, and we love Khalil Mack. But again, if you think about that, right? If everyone else is putting their body on the line. I think Khalil Mack would, would want to be out there with his team. Yeah, I, I think he would be. But I, if you have to strong arm him too, because, man, if uh, that's so tough. Because yeah. if you sit him, you're essentially saying we give up and you're waving the white flag. Oh, I mean, see, the, the practical part of me wants to say, yeah, sit him. But like in my heart, I just know it's not going to happen. Yeah, and if the if the Bears really are going to be motivated and try to win that football game, really the root of the Bears' success against the the Vikings is the fact that Kirk Cousins is absolutely fearful of Khalil Mack, 
<clears throat> excuse me. I mean, he says it in every press conference before the game. He's, I think he admitted it uh, back in week four in, the, in like his pregame or a few days before the game in a press conference. He was like, yeah, the, the Bears defense, you know, I have nightmares about him or something. And like, like, why? So that clearly says that Khalil Mack is what Kirk Cousins is thinking of as he lays in bed on Saturday night before the game on Sunday. So if the Bears are really trying to go out there and get a win, I mean, obviously Khalil Mack is essential to the defense in any game, but especially against the Vikings with Kirk Cousins at the helm i mean he's he's an absolute difference maker uh, in those vikings games he does really really well uh, against them yeah he does and you like you said the nightmares quote is hilarious <laughs> that always makes me laugh but it's true i, I think it's just such a t- tough decision um you're right i think all these guys play I, yeah i'm in that train i'm in that yeah. camp I, I mean i believe that you know i was just thinking though i mean what isn't kirk cousins have, like the worst record of a starting quarterback on monday night football something isn't like it? that and and they play the Packers on Monday Night Football, so I'm I'm not going to end up on freezing cold takes on Twitter. But if I had to make a guess, I think the Vikings are going to lose this uh, tonight against against the Packers because Dalvin Cook is not playing. Kirk Cousins is one of the worst quarterbacks on Monday Night Football of all time. So honestly, I would hate to say the Packers are going to win, but I think they're going to get a win. And again, if in the event that that happens, which it very may well happen. I think the Vikings would rest their starters, which would just would make it really interesting. And then maybe even, you know, I, I said, you know, about 10 minutes ago, I said it, the Bears would rather have to play the starters. But now that I think about it, maybe it'd be better that the Vikings rest their starters in the sense that, okay, yeah, now you can get Riley Ridley time. Maybe you can risk Kalimek. Maybe you can get Alex Barr's time. You can experiment things. You can try things out. Um, you know, I don't know. I guess, I guess there's really two ways to look at it. it it's that sense is, okay, if the Vikings rest their starters, you know, we get to work some things out. Um, if they don't rest the starters, we have a chance to beat a good team on the road, divisional team, uh, and that still matters. At the end of the day, that still matters. So there's two ways to look at it, and I guess you can't go wrong with either way. No, you can't. And I will say um, that Kirk Cousins, I think, has kind of redeemed himself and, and kind of changed the image or the perception about him this year. I think he's been a lot better than we like to give him credit for just because it's a lot funnier to clown yeah. on <laughs> Kirk Cousins. But – I think he's redeemed himself. I think he's changed the perception around him this year. But still, Kirk Cousins, uh, the Bears' own real estate in his brain still. So I'll always take that still. Um, Well, the thing about Kirk, um, and and really the question that remains for him is is can he do it in the big games, right? I mean, you talk about the primetime games. Those are always big games. You talk about his record against above 500 teams. And and sure, he's been okay against some pretty mediocre teams. But when the lights are shining bright and when there's a lot of people watching – you know, can he live up to it? And and that, I think that's really the question that rants for him. And and when that when they, when the Bears come to town, he can't live up to it um, most of the time. So uh, it'd be interesting. But yeah, I mean, I guess you got to give him a little bit of credit for uh, uh, at least making the Vikings. What are they like ten and four now? Uh, maybe I believe so. Something like yeah. I mean, because I think it, the Packers are at eleven and three, and that yeah. Uh, so that's and that's, that's why that they, yeah yeah. And look, the Vikings. The Vikings are a good team, man. They're they're a good team, but I I still think you have that question of of whether they can do it in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Whether Kirk Cousins can actually lead a, a final two minute drive to win the game uh, in, in a freezing cold playoff game. So um, we'll we'll see. But um, yeah, that, that's an interesting game. Packers oh, Vikings for the division. Right. Well, <laughs> that was a quick Packers Vikings breakdown from the. Yeah, Bears there you go. Sorry. Podcast. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. Um, <laughs> Confidence level in the Bears ending the season 8-8 eight and eight and taking the win in Minnesota. 
confidence level. Um, again, it's contingent on whether the Bears are the stars or not, but for the sake of this question, we'll assume, uh, or, or rather that the Vikings are the stars, we'll assume that the Vikings starters will play, and that's since my confidence level is a six. Um, so it, it's a six because, again, I'm not too confident after that game against the Chiefs, but then you have this side, like we mentioned, that the Bears simply own the Minnesota Vikings uh, under Matt Nagy. So uh, I'll go with a six, um, and, and hopefully the Bears can uh, can do something good against a division opponent. Six was going to be my exact number as well. I'm yeah. just about in the middle, a little bit confident just because of all the factors we listed, Kirk Cousins and the Bears' history against the Vikings. But I think a solid six is about right. Um, that'll probably go up later in the week as we get farther from this Chiefs game, um, wash that taste out of our mouths. But I think that's completely fair the way that this team has played. Uh, Kevin, any last thoughts for the folks at home? Uh, you know, not much. It's just... I, just stick through it. I mean, that's really all I got to say is we've been we're Bears fans. We we've been through this. We have great seasons, and the next year we have terrible seasons. It's really been you know as this is the end of the decade, as twenty twenty years. Uh, it's been not the greatest decade of Bears football. But I think the thing that people need to remember through all the thick and thin, through all the smoke that's been going on this season, you you still have to remember that what is being built in House Hall is the right thing. The right thing is being built. They're building a culture uh, of winning. Uh, you know, no matter what you say I, Matt Nagy's record as head coach is still winning record they're building a culture uh, of camaraderie between the teammates um, and they're building a culture of fun and I think although this was a tough season that's something that's important this team still has a ton of talent going into next year they will have the talent level to be uh, a Super Bowl contending team that's a given they need to fill some things but don't give up on this team going into next year I know it's hard I know they're seven and eight I know they've had some really really bad performances but don't give up because I just have this feeling that this team and these players are going to be right back in it next year, ready to go. You know, sometimes sophomore slumps happen. This is really the sophomore slump of Matt Nagy, in my opinion. Uh, it's his second year. It's a tough year for him. But like I said in the last episode, sometimes you have to face adversity and mistakes in order to grow. And you will only learn from those mistakes and they'll only get better because of it. And that's my true opinion. That's the way I see it. Um, so Bears fans, you know, final message, just stick through it. It's going to be all right. And and the off, luckily the offseason will be here before we know it. And we can finally start really having hope again uh, for 2020, but just stick with it and, and keep being Bears fans. No, sticking with it is definitely the message that uh, we should take home from this. And that's kind of was going to be my final thought too, is yeah. this is still a really talented team. Uh, I think there'll be some very savvy additions made to this team. Um, I don't think anybody gets fired. I don't think anybody, no. you know, I, I don't think Mitch is getting cut from this team. No. Uh, we've talked about that before, but you know, just go into this Vikings game. Eight and eight still isn't t horrible. Nope. Um, you know, you look at a couple of the games in the past. I mean, you look at the Rams game, the Oakland game, the Philly game, and the San Diego game, and you could easily be a 13-win yes. team again. You know, a couple yes. a couple breaks here and there. Uh, you know, a, a team, uh, some consistent play here and there, some, some injury breaks, you mm -hmm. know. And this team is still in the playoffs again. So I still think this is a talented team. This still is a team that has all the makings and all the talent to make a deep playoff run, win a trophy. Um, and so we'll just see. You just have to – we're going to have to fight through it in this one, and it's going to suck. But, you know, that's what's going to make the offseason interesting now. So, you know, because it's not a full rebuild where you're trying no. to just drag through it. It's kind of like, okay, who can we add? What's our money situation? It's stuff like that, which I think makes it a, a little bit of fun, too. Yeah, and I, I think if you listen to 
sports radio and you listen to a majority of the people on Twitter, you'd, you'd literally think the Bears are about to go through a rebuild. You'd think that this team just came off of a 3-13 and season. That's not the case. Although it feels that way, that way it's not the case. Uh, as Jake mentioned, you got to fix a few things and that will be necessary. But this team is not as far away as it seems from the Super Bowl. They, they really aren't. They have the right things built. They have the right pieces. They have a great core to build around, and, and they'll be there right in contention next year, in my opinion. I agree. Um, all right, Kevin, awesome to talk to you. Glad we could pump this out. But, yes, uh, you know, to all of our listeners, thank you. We appreciate your support. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to all of you. Kevin, I hope you have a great holiday. Um I think this is this is it until 2020. This is the last Bears Nation podcast of uh, of 2019. So it very well might be. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it is. So that will allow us to start season four of this podcast really soon. So that'll be a lot of fun. I uh, think we've accomplished a lot this year. It was a trying season, but you know we got a lot done. Stay tuned at the end of this episode uh, for a little bit of a, a blurb from Chris Nano surprise appearance. Uh, he recorded a little something that we can include at the end of this episode for you guys. And, you know, me and Kevin built you up. So you get Chris at the end to bring you back down, even you out. So <laughs> that's, that's what we do here. Because uh, I know Chris is in fits over that oh, game. He, go he's going to be Twitter heated. Feed. He's going to be heated. But stay tuned for that. For myself and Kevin, thank you. We are out until 2020. Happy holidays, guys. Bear down. You know, um, it's been one of those years. It sucks. We've talked about it all year. We've talked about how the team has needed to execute. We've talked about how, you know, they've had all all year to figure it out, and they just haven't. I mean, um, that's really all it boils down to. Um, and, and, you know, it's just one of those things where we have to suck it up as fans and just accept that it's been an absolute disaster of a season um, a lot of changes have to happen this off season, of course. Um, you know, the, it's it, the worst part about it is, you know, it's not the fact that we lost. It's it's kind of just how we lost. Um, I know a lot of other Bears fans are are really upset about that too. So, um, you know, there's not much we can do now. Just support the team, and you know, hopefully, hopefully next year they can figure it out. There's there's a lot of um, a lot of changes that are going to be coming in in the foreseeable future. So um, just watch out for for what happens next with this team. And as always, bear down.